from the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast. This is Ag Day. A young girl on a mission. She has some grit and determination also, and she likes to prove to people that, that she's capable of doing it. Her road back to health after a debilitating fire. How she's showing grit with grace. And what's the secret to winning the furrow? This morning, we focus on fertility. Putting a little bit of nutrition close where that plant can get to it relatively soon. Plus, what you need to know before you head to the polls. So I think it's gonna matter a whole lot about, you know, who's actually in charge. Why this election day matters to every farmer right now on Ag Day. Good morning, I'm Clinton Griffiths. Tomorrow, millions of Americans will head to the polls for what's expected to be a pivotal midterm election. And this year, the outcome could have a big impact on the ag industry. Ag Day's Michelle Rook joins us with a preview. Clinton, this year the midterms are critical for agriculture because whichever party controls the House and Senate will trickle down to the Ag Committee and Budget Committee leadership as they write a new farm bill. And Washington insiders say there could be a shift in power in the works. In the Senate, political experts say the division between Democrats and Republicans has flipped back and forth the last several months, but it's now razor thin. Yeah, I think most people have been saying all along it'll be a 51-49 or a 50-50 Senate. The question is, is it going to be 51-49 R versus D or D versus R? But I don't think you're going to see a really uh, broad uh, win on either side of the equation in the Senate. Key Senate races to watch include Arizona, Florida, and Georgia. If the Republicans win big there, they could pick up additional seats. Early precincts will also be telling. David Wasserman told me early on election night to watch the first district in Indiana, which is typically a Democratic district. If that were to go to the Republicans, that could be a signal of a long night for the you know, Democrats. The House is expected to shift from Democratic to Republican control. Cook's political report now says Republicans could gain from 20 to 25 seats versus the 10 to 15 they were predicting earlier. And the 25 seat is important, Chip, because that would give uh, likely House Speaker Kevin McCarthy from California uh, a little more leeway relative to his arch conservative members. The shift to Republican power will also affect the leadership of the Ag Committee heading into the 2023 Farm Bill. Certainly I think G.T. Thompson is going to have a very different viewpoint about what kind of hearings he wants to have and what kind of emphasis he wants to put on the Farm Bill than you had from David Scott. Plus the party in control will impact baseline spending for the Farm Bill including the 18 to 19 billion dollars earmarked for conservation and the climate change initiative. So I think it's going to matter a whole lot about you know, who's actually in charge and especially who's in charge of the budget committee and how do they feel about it. And Thatcher says the Republicans may also work on deficit reduction, which would cap the dollars available for the farm bill. A snowy and rainy weekend in the northern plains and the Mississippi River area finally seeing some much needed moisture. Meteorologist Chuck Heaver of Ag Day affiliate WNDU joins us with a look ahead to this week. 
While the United States is under the domination of high pressure most of the week, we do have low pressure off in the Pacific Northwest, and that will slowly work its way to the east. Until that happens, we're going to see mild conditions throughout the country. It's going to continue to prohibit the amount of rain that we see, and you can see here in southern Kansas and then of course out in California, we have still exceptional drought conditions on the U.S. Drought Monitor. And here's your root zone, the first three feet of soil you can see here we have extreme drought in the center part and then scattered throughout the mountain west yields in the fields on ag day is brought to you by micro essentials from mosaic the science of more discover our proven products text yields to 31313 and checking the yields in the fields nathan weathers i love that last name says harvest 22 is in the bin Nathan operates out of Yuma, Colorado. He reports a good irrigated bottom ground with some of the best they've ever raised. He says the hilltops were another story, though, with heat and wind really hurting those. Nathan adds the averages were off 5 to 10%. I have more on your forecast coming up. All right, thanks, Chuck. While rains along the Mississippi River may help improve historically low water levels, barge traffic is still being severely impacted. Researchers say the number of grain barges being unloaded in New Orleans from September and October were 20 to 30 percent lower than in recent years. You see that represented on this chart in blue. There were closures and restrictions on the river that reduced the number of barges that can be towed in a group and how much each barge can carry. Now, since the start of September, tonnage going through three locks was down more than 40 percent, again there in blue, but experts say it appears to have picked back up early last month, but then slowed down again when compared to the three-year average. So is there a way around the problem? The Soy Transportation Coalition says yes, and it's encouraging greater use of the Great Lakes St. Lawrence Seaway. It says its continued partnership extends to the Seaway's Gateway Incentive Program, which represents a 50% cut on shipping tolls for new shipments of soybeans and ag that use the waterway. Now, it extends more than 2,300 miles from the Atlantic Ocean to the head of the Great Lakes at Duluth, Minnesota. The Soy Transportation Coalition says while less than 2% of U.S. soybean exports currently utilize it, any opportunity to increase supply chain diversity and resilience will benefit soybean farmers. Win the furrow programming on Ag Day is brought to you by InFurrow Leader FMC. Visit your FMC retailer or infurrow.ag.fmc.com to learn more. This week, we're focusing on some of the agronomic ideas that can help you win the furrow next season. Agronomist Missy Bauer kicks us off with some InFurrow fertility research showing real promise. So some of the things I think about when we think about winning the furrow one is, as I'm going through there, making that planting pass, creating that furrow where I'm putting my seed, what else can I do while I'm making that pass? And one of the big things that we've seen nice advantages to is putting the fertility on there. So putting a little bit of nutrition close where that plant can get to it relatively soon and then do what we call the relay system, which is have a little more nutrition a little further out. So traditionally in my area, there's a lot of that two by two placement, two inches over and two inches down placement of starter fertilizer. But if we have an opportunity to put a little bit closer to that, we might be able to pick up a little bit more in that early growth. So the last three years, now going into our fourth year, we've done a lot of plots evaluating what we call the furrowjet system. It's from precision planning, but it actually allows us to put fertilizer 
in the furrow, but actually in the sidewalls. Okay, so it's not just dropping it on top of the seed like maybe we would have with a traditional in-furrow system. It's giving me some safe safety. So it's got some wings that slices it into the sidewall. We can put a little bit of nutrition there. Really seems to get the plant going early and then again hands off to that later band. So we're going to make that planting pass regardless. If we can look at adding that nutrition as part of that planting pass, it can be a big deal, especially in areas maybe where we are more northern or deal with cooler conditions or you're just trying to advance maturity. A lot of our plots, when we add a little bit of that fertility close, we might advance maturity by seven days. Well, that can be a big deal uh, when you're trying to extend out all this grain fill period and add some bushels on there. So we have three pretty solid years of data. If we've applied through the FurrowJet system in those wings, three to four gallon of 1034-0, we're running about a nine bushel average over three years. Um, even though I've got my other two by two band out there. So it's that true relay system. So pretty strong data, the economics are pretty big. With grain in the bin, it's time to do some post-harvest marketing. Michelle Rook returns and has our analysis next. And later, a young girl showing grit with grace who isn't letting some difficult days health-wise limit her dreams. With the harvest now in for many farmers, it's time to make some post-harvest marketing decisions. Michelle Rook is back with more in today's analysis. This morning's market analysis coming to you from the field here with risk management commodities, Chuck Shelby. And Chuck, uh, we're almost done with soybean harvest, over two thirds on corn. And do you think the harvest lows are in? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the market's held up really well with the uh, price action we've had as we went through pretty much a wide open season. So I, I think we're pretty much there on the price lows. We have been really range bound in corn and soybeans. And so talk about what is your marketing advice here for guys as we come out of harvest? Well, the decision for a lot of guys is do you let it go right now at harvest? We got a pretty good price or do you pay some storage or do you hold it in your own bin? So uh, depending upon what the guys want to do as far as uh, do you have input you want to buy? Uh, there's some guys that are willing to sell and other guys are willing to hold on and see what happens. Are there more producers that are storing this year just because they think there might be a potential rally? Well, in the last uh, four or five years, even though we didn't think it might happen, we've had some pretty good rallies. So I think a lot of guys, especially in areas where the crop might not be so good, are willing to hold on to what they have and haven't sold and see what happens. How much are you trying to get input spot ahead and put in place here this fall? I think the main focus is on nitrogen. A lot of the producers I work with have made their purchases. Uh, they've got a price that's not too far off last year, so they're willing to buy their nitrogen right now. All right. Well, it could be an interesting winter. We're going to continue to kind of watch what's going on, especially in South America, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's critical. I mean, there are parts of Brazil are doing really well, but Argentina is really dry. They had a little bit of rain. So that uncertainty about Argentina, I think, is going to keep this market supported till we really know if they're going to have a crop or not. All right. Well, good luck on the rest of the harvest, and thanks so much for the market advice this morning. Chuck Shelby with Risk Management Commodities, and we have more Ag Day coming up. Ag Day is brought to you by Farm Shop MFG. Did you know that 20% of stored corn is often overventilated by three points of moisture? On 100,000 bushels, that's a whole semi-load. Stop this problem for less with the end zone for corn from Farm Shop MFG, specially priced at $1,800 per unit while supplies last.
Peter Olive is Chuck Heaver joining us for our national forecast, and it sounds like we're going to have a pretty tranquil start to the week this week. Pretty much over in the northwest, in the Pacific Northwest, we'll see some rain, but overall, again, I mentioned a zonal condition, and that gives us a chance for pretty nice weather. So, yeah, that zonal pattern is going to keep the eastern half of the country in really dry condition, and we're going to see warmer temperatures, milder than we normally would see. In the Pacific Northwest, we're going to have low pressure dominating, and that's going to give a chance for cooler conditions and more damp conditions. Here's midweek. You see this frontal boundary in the center, maybe a couple showers along that, and off the east coast, we could see some showers move up along the coast, but again, most of the country remains dry. We look at the jet stream because the jet stream is what guides storms across the country and you can see here high pressure dominating still over here. It's going to be really difficult for that low pressure system to punch through, but it slowly works its way to the east. And with that, then we get the low pressure slowly sliding over. We'll get our temperatures at the end of next week in the center part of the country back to where we normally would be at this time of the year. But until then, we're going to see above normal temperatures on the east side, and we're going to see below normal temperatures under conditions of that low pressure system. Precipitation, the same drill. Of course, under low pressure, you typically have precipitation. So above normal out to the west and off to the east below normal. We could have a system that moves up the east coast. So it'll provide a little bit more precipitation there. And of course, down in the southeast. Below normal, though, for November precipitation in general in the south, normal to the north and then over by low pressure again we'll see above normal conditions it looks like for November precipitation this week we have some precipitation out in the mountains of the west maybe in the center part of the country and then again along the coast here but this precipitation for the week we're not going to see a ton of that let's take a look closer to home Lake City Florida mostly sunny 83 degrees a low of 66 Albuquerque, New Mexico, 68 and 38, and Marquette, Michigan, 42 and 31. Need a good used combine? Machinery Pete is looking at the trends and he's noticed a big change when it comes to supply versus demand. All right, folks, let's talk the used combine market. Now, it's been not quite as hot as the used tractor market, particularly large horse tractors, just crazy hot. But used combine value is very strong. And uh, let's talk specific examples. So last Wednesday, our friends at BigIron.com sold this combine, came out of Burlington, Colorado. It was a 2008 John Deere 9770 STS with 2,630 engine hours on it, sold for 100,500 bucks, very strong price. Now, if we look at the average auction price so far this year on Deere 9770s, comes in at 81,846 bucks, which if we compare that to just two years ago, back in 2020, the average was $74,341. So actually this year up 10.1% versus two years ago. Now the very next day last week, last Thursday, Big Iron had an online farm retirement auction out of Harrington, Kansas for Larry Beeler. And I tell you what, Larry had nice stuff. Check out his combine, this 1995 John Deere 9500. This thing had 2,371 engine hours on it. Went for 38,700 bucks, second highest auction price in 26 months on a John Deere 9500. Now, the reason why we're seeing these rising prices on good used combines, here's a visual look. 
This is a representation of supply and demand on used combines for sale at machinerypeat.com over the last two years. So if you go to the far left of this chart, that's two years ago, 2020, you can see that blue supply line of you know, used combines on dealer lots way higher than the demand, the orange line. Well, look what's happened. The orange demand line has spiked way higher while the blue supply line has tanked. All right, thanks, Pete. Up next, a story of grit with grace. We'll meet a Pennsylvania teen taking strides toward a bright future after nearly losing her life. The incredible story, next. Farmer to Farmer, the Conservation at Work video series features real stories, real successes, real quick. See what's possible at farmers.gov conservation. Grit with Grace is brought to you by Zoetis. Your dedication runs deep, and it fuels everything Zoetis does. To protect and support cattle and those who care for them, we are Born of the Bond. Learn more at bornofthebond.com. Exhibitors at last month's World Dairy Expo proved passionate about the show ring and their livestock. Well, today we meet one such show woman dreaming of a trip to Madison as the next big step in her future. A journey where she has already shown grit with grace. Oh yeah, oh yeah, get a snack. It takes a lot of days of this. You're fine. To get here. The 2022 All-American Dairy Show in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. For Reese Burdett and her family, each precious step is quite literally a miracle. The Burdett family lives in farms just outside of Mercersburg at a dairy that's just the right size to keep two teenagers busy. Oftentimes it can bring tears to your eyes when you look back to where we were, knowing how hard it has been and still how hard it is for her. She has some grit and determination also and she likes to prove to people that, that she's capable of doing it. I mean it's difficult but everybody has difficulties in the ring. The challenges for Reese started Memorial Day weekend in 2014 during a visit to her grandparents' house. It was a Sunday evening and what we now know was an electrical fire started in the room that Reese was in. Claire's mother rushed into the flames to get Reese while her stepdad went after Sister Brinkley. Reese, badly burned, was taken to Johns Hopkins in Maryland. First they told us we'd be there one to two weeks and then it turned to one to two months and we were like, what, how are we going to do this? How are we going to continue to farm, both of us being away? And then it turned into 662 days. 662 days of recovery, of setbacks and unknowns. Through this journey, Reese has had five cardiac arrests. She lost her leg in the hospital in that, that first couple weeks there, um, blood flow issues. Was she supposed to make it? No. No. You have to be willing to have bad days to make good days. The good days often overshadowed by the difficult ones. From the amputation to learning to stand and eventually walk again, Reese's parents recognized she needed a goal. Enter Pantene. She was actually the first calf I showed at our county fair. A cow with an extra hold on Reese's heart. After weeks in the hospital, a friend from home was her incentive to keep stepping forward. 
she came to visit me in the hospital when I first learned to stand up, and that really made me want to get home. Just two months shy of two years, Reese came home to a hero's welcome. She needs her childhood that she missed. She needs to get all that back. These steps along life's path seem so small for most. For Reese, they're the road back to a future nearly lost, now stacked high with possibilities. You get so caught up in the little things. At the end of the day, those little things don't matter. It's the big picture. As long as you have your health and your family, it's all that matters. Now at the Harrisburg All-American Show back in September, Reese placed fifth in showmanship out of 140 other kids. And that's all the time we have this morning. So glad you tuned in. From all of us here at Ag Dan, Clinton Griffiths, have a great day.